Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your second episode of Behind the Mic. My name is Jonathan Beard, and today I am joined by a special guest. I will let her introduce herself. Um, give us your name, give us your academic major, give us your class status, and give us one goal you hope to achieve over this coming up semester. My name is Maggie Libert, and I am a sociology major. I'm a senior and will be graduating in December. And a goal that I have is to hopefully, fingers crossed, have a job by the time I graduate. I hear that. Um, so this week, we are, we are talking about September 30th through October 6th. October is the best month because spooky it is season. the beginning of spooky season. Spooky season. All right. Um, skeletons are dancing everywhere right now. For those of you who can't see, of course. <laughs> All right. Let's get down to it. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. So our first thing we are talking about is from 1954. Uh, USS Nautilus, the fir world's first nuclear submarine, is commissioned. It is 319 feet, and it displaced 3,180 tons. Um, that's, that's a lot for 1954. It could remain submerged for almost an unlimited period of time, because its atomic engine needed no air and only a very small quantity of nuclear fuel, and it can go up to speeds in excess of 20 knots, which is approximately 23 miles per hour. It lasted for about 25 years, and it was decommissioned on March 3rd, 1980, and it is now a National Historic Landmark. It was made in two years after it was decommissioned. Our second one is 1863, and it is the first volume of Little Women. It was published by a Polish company that I don't really know, but the author is Louisa May Alcott. I added this one because when I was in high school, I was in a class called Performance and Production, and we went on went, uh, field trips. And this is one of the field trips that we went to. It was at NKU's theater. I forgot what their theater, their black box theater. I don't really know I, what I it's called. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't either. But it was really fascinating, and it just stuck with me for all this time. Uh, the next one, 1955, James Dean dies in a car accident. He was 24 years old. Um, he was in a movie that... If you have taken a history class and it dealt with the 1950s, you may have heard of it called Rebel Without a Cause. It was released a little after he died. Um, but the fascinating part about this one is there's a conspiracy behind it. I love conspiracy theories. Oh my God, let's hear it. <laughs> so he, his car, his car was called Little Bastard. And supposedly it was cursed. So the story is he was driving it, and I don't know how fast he was driving it, but he was driving it along the highway in California, I believe, and then it was wrecked. He wrecked it, and he died shortly after, but after he wrecked it, when the tow people, the tow truck showed up, they loaded it on the tow truck, and it fell off. 
and it injured one of the Trump people's <laughs> legs or abdomen. And so that that was like curse number two right there. After that, they they took it apart and they sold the parts off to different cars. And they can't explain it, but every car that they sold off the parts to, every single one of those cars got into an accident later on. Every single one, somehow. That's pretty spooky. Like, I mean, welcome to October, everybody. Um, but yeah, that's the conspiracy. Every single car that those parts were a part of. Uh, what do you think about that, Maggie? Like, what, what do you think the reason behind that could be? I don't know I feel like James Dean he was a controversial person when he was alive like he was that bad boy I mean he was he was like a he was like a sex icon he so, was like Elvis I don't think that it's an actual conspiracy but if we want to play for fun why not then you know he could have pissed off some lady that he was with and she could have tried to have cursed him but I think it's just ironic that that happened. I don't know if there's like actually a curse behind it, but that's definitely ironic. Uh, I mean, it, it, if it was around today, it'd be on like, y you ever see the History Channel where it's like the curse of Oak Island? You ever see that show? No. Me neither. It's really horrible. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> 1949. The Berlin Airlift ends. Um, it's just, that's a pivotal moment in history, but not not that much to go into uh 1822 i included this because i didn't know about this so when i learned that it, it was really interesting uh, 1822 joseph marion hernandez becomes the first hispanic elected to congress you don't really hear about that nowadays with the current administration at least so a little bit of the backstory is uh during the 1810s the u.s had a variety made a variety of efforts to take florida from the spanish uh, this was the 1810s. We did not go west. We didn't have New Mexico, Arizona. Uh, California was its own little entity. Um, Spanish still owned Florida, and we had, you know, Illinois, the South, the colonies, all those good things. And then uh, at the time, he was general, but future president Andrew Jackson, the guy who did horrible, horrible things to Indians and Native Americans, he led an army through the territory of Florida and during the first Seminole, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing Seminole. this. It, that's what I was thinking too, Seminole. I kept thinking Seminole or Seminole, some, something, but it's Seminole. Uh, the first Seminole War, 1817 to 1858. Uh, this guy, he was a soldier when he didn't really want to be. He fought against the U.S. and received substantial amounts of land from Spain, but yet he remained loyal to the United States afterwards and was allowed to keep the land. So when he kept the land and uh, it was still under Spanish rule, they, and then it became the United States' property, they were allowed to have one delegate, but they could not vote. So, um, by technicality, he's the first Hispanic elected to Congress. He eventually lost the bid next time around and later on goes to do something else with his life. But at that moment in time, he was a very important figure. 
Um, the next one is I personally find very, very interesting and very cool. Uh, 1889, Wyoming legislators write the first constitution to grant women the right to vote. Wyoming is the first state in our in our North American continent to let women vote. Um, that's 31 years before they had the federal right to vote in 1920, which I like 31 years. Like, how do you not vote for that long? Like, such a random state. Also, yeah, keep going. That's just a random state to make that a thing, right? Like, you'd think that it would be more like a well-populated or, like, very progressive state. It's not, though, because by landmass and by, like, out of all states in the United States, Wyoming has the least, it's the least populous state. It has less people than all other states. Like, you would have thought it would be, like, New York or... Yeah, you would think. A state like that that would be doing (laughs) something... To help women vote. Good old Ohio. But no, it was Wyoming, you guys. Wyoming. Let that, like, seep into your brain. Wyoming. Like, be honest. How many people forget Wyoming's a state sometimes? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, in 1938, the Munich Pact is signed. It is an agreement that averted the outbreak of World War II, outbreak of war, but it gave Czechoslovakia to German conquest. Um, British and French Prime Ministers Neville Chamberlain and, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Edouard Daladier, Daladier? I don't know. Let me know. Um, hit uh, Tweet at Mountcast or myself to, let me know if I pronounced that right. Probably didn't. It's French. But it was one year before Hitler decided to invade Poland and start World War II. That's the breakdown of Monday, September 30th. Any thoughts on that, Maggie? Anything you want to add? That was most of our first page. It was a lot. (laughs) Go women. Women, if you're out there listening to this and you aren't registered to vote, what are you doing? Wyoming was the first state to let women vote. You need to go out there and practice your rights. We haven't even had the right to vote for 100 years yet. Not yet. Well, Next year it'll be 100. It will. 1920. Forgot about Or 2020. Yeah. Yep. So uh, practice your right, women, to vote in the next presidential election during the 100th year of women being allowed to vote. Also start voting in this coming up election, November 5th, I believe. Go see Keith Lancer if you're not signed up to vote. He's, uh, he's fantastic in that area. He knows what he's doing. Very professional. Go see him if you're not signed up to vote. Next day, Tuesday, October 1st. The first one is 1890 Yosemite National Park is established. I've been there. I've never it's been there. Beautiful. Is it beautiful? It's beautiful. All the trees are really nice. I want to go there one like day. Giant mountains. You should go. I One day. 1962, Johnny Carson makes his Tonight Show debut. Um, Johnny Carson was fantastic. I don't know if you've ever seen the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, but he's he's great. Um, Jay Leno 
took over in 1992, but there was controversy because everyone saw David Letterman as the natural heir, but Jay Leno ended up taking over. Did you ever watch The Tonight Show, Maggie, with um, David Letterman or Dave, uh, Jay Leno? Not or? a fan of Jay Leno. He I'm has not a either. very large head. Very large chin. And it's a little, he looks like the crimson chin from Fairly Odd Parents. And it I scares cannot me. agree more. Um, 1949, Mao Zedong uh, proclaims People's Republic of China, and that's when China becomes communist. Um, At this point in uh, history, everyone's like, let's not, let's hope China doesn't fall to communism. No, because Russia's right on on top of China. You would think China would have become communist before, but... There's a lot of factors that factor into that. So China becomes communist in 1949. 1988, Mikhail Gorbachev becomes the head of the Soviet Union. Let's focus on that for a minute because this is a time where the Cold War is somewhat winding down. This is one of the last people, if not the last people, person to just talk to the United States as though, you know, we're buddies. We're not buddies during the Cold War, if, if you've learned anything from history. Uh, so a year before that, in 1987, Ronald Reagan goes to the Berlin Wall, goes to where he gives the famous speech of, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I don't like Ronald Reagan, so that was probably a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> uh, um, Accent or impression. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Gorbachev, Gorbachev, he liberalized the Soviet economy and the political life and their terms in American history or world history you should know called perestroika and glasnost. That's just two terms you want to know if you want to go to any American history class after 1945 or after 1877. Um, in 1993... A 12-year-old girl is kidnapped, which led to California's three-strike law. Now, I I know about this, but Maggie, aren't you a crim miner? Yes. As a crim miner, what do you think about the three-strike law? And if you need me to explain, just say the I word. I don't remember it. <laughs> so the three-strike law is basically if you get caught for a felony or if you get convicted for a felony the third time it's basically life in prison more or less and it's like uh uh, it's a felony like murder you know anything violent not really drug possession but they will include that i believe so like violent murders i believe so yeah for violent crimes i can understand it um definitely don't think that three strike rule should uh apply to anything that has to do with drugs um but violent crime i think it just depends on you know if california is doing their best to sentence in the first place um if somebody goes out there and commits manslaughter and you give them like three or four years in prison and then they come out and they do it again well, you could have sentenced them to the maximum penalty of manslaughter instead. Then you would be avoiding that. I mean, technically true. So, the three-strike law, if 
why I didn't write it down, but that's basically basically the gist of it. Um, I thought I liked it at first, but learning more about it, it wasn't very sound because, you know... I act- think that it's just to cover themselves if oh, yeah. they aren't sentencing to what they should be doing. Like, the maximum sentence if something's that terrible. This was also at a time where... I believe it was, I don't know who cracked down on it, but it was at a time when the Republicans or the Democrats were like, let's crack down on crime. This was an era of maybe well, ten- California at that time was also uh, at, uh, heightened for like race wars and that. Pretty much on. with Rodney King the and Rodney all that King going on. had just happened a couple years before. So, you know. People in California perceived that there was more crime than what was really happening. So they wanted to crack down and make people scared that if they did anything felonious after their... Like if they had already had two felonies and they had they thought about doing something again, that they'd be scared off from it. Yeah, and this was a tough-on-crime model that happened in the 80s slash, you know, 70s and 80s. Um, but yeah, that's, we should uh, repeal it, but it is what it is. Again, use your right to vote if you live in California. We should just do our job better. Agreed. In 2017, not too long ago, everybody might remember this, but uh, a gunman opens fire on Las Vegas concert crowd, wounding 800 people and killing 58 of those guys. Or those people. The per- the shooter's name was Stephen Paddock. He was 64 years old. And they didn't catch him because he ended up taking his life right afterwards. Before they could catch him. Uh, it was a tragic moment in American history. It was a tragic moment just in general. Um, I remember, were, were we in the policy class when we talked about that a little bit? Or... Um, this was probably, about, yeah. So Maggie and I were in a uh, policy class, uh, so uh, SWK something something, and the professor talked about gun laws, and that was like one of the big issues at the time. This happened, and everything just broke loose. Yeah, you know, everyone was talking about. I think it was the. Uh... It came to a head after this happened because Literally. we hadn't seen at that point so many people being wounded and killed. And Eight, I. 800 people. I think it was either that year, like in the winter maybe, or the following year, there was um, that school shooting down in Florida. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of it so prepared for this but i think that this just like came to a head because there had been so many mass shootings and there still are so many mass shootings that just go under the radar now because they aren't drawing the attention due to other things in the media but like it says on here 11 states banned bump stocks one year later and that's not even that's barely a fifth of the nation so like we have been saying, go out there and use your right to vote on what you think is best, whether you think that 
they need to continue to like ban certain kinds of weapons or not it's totally up to you to go out there and use your vote yeah this this pod isn't too political most of the time but i feel like the theme of today is vote like in this vote no matter what you believe you don't have we haven't necessarily voiced our political opinions but you know what you think is best and needs to be voted on then go out there and use your right pretty much um so moving on uh 1908 ford motor company unveils the model t this is when it gets serious in American history because the Model T was one of the cheapest cars on the road. And at the time, there were fewer than 200,000 cars on the road. That's nothing. I don't know what the number is today, but significantly larger than 200,000. Uh, the Model T is the longest production run of any automobile model in history until the Volkswagen Beetle in 1972. That's 64 years and 15 million productions for Ford. And at the time, it cost only $825. That is 18000 in today's money. And it went 40 miles an hour. Think about that, 40 miles an hour. Most cars do what, 180 now? <laughs> 40 miles an hour come on we people. wouldn't get very far no i mean give or take i your trips I to only florida go. <laughs> would take a lot longer for spring break <laughs> back then that is true and then last for tuesday october the 1st 1946 um we're actually talking about this right now in my holocaust class um ran by dr Trokin. Um, Nazi war criminals sentenced at Nuremberg. Um, uh, the top four, this isn't an exhaustive list, but the top four were Joachim von Rippentrop, who was the Nazi Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, William Frick, who was the Minister of the Interior, Rudolf Hess, the uh, Hitler's former deputy, and Hermann Göring, who I... I studied him more than most people like there's a lot of documentaries on netflix about nazis about the side people hitler side people uh goring is the founder of the gestapo and he was the chief of the german air force he was a pilot during world war one I, I believe and he just basically commanded the air force after that point he knew about planes and he just went from there Unfortunately, yet fortunately, he committed suicide by poison before his execution, before he was sentenced. So, yeah, um, that wraps it up for uh, October 1st, and that is Tuesday. What's your takeaway from Tuesday? Lots of, uh, lots of different things for Tuesday. There was a lot, it covered a lot of different topics. Really, yeah. If you had to pick one, which one would you pick? Say, either most fascinating to you, whatever. Mm, Probably the gunman in Las Vegas is the one that stands out the most to me just because of the number of people that were injured. Yeah, agreed. Next day, 
Wednesday, October 2nd, uh, we start out with 1985. This is a crucial one. Hollywood icon Rock Hudson dies of complication from AIDS at 59. This is before America or really anybody knew what AIDS was. Um, it was He was the first major U.S. celebrity to die of complication from the AIDS, HIV-AIDS virus. Um, during that time, they didn't know scientists, doctors, people didn't know where it came from. So they just called it the gay plague, which is not correct by any amount of wording or political activism at all. Um, we know more about it. Um, it is not a death sentence nowadays, but during that time, you had Rock Hudson, 85. You had Freddie Mercury in 1990, I believe so. And then you had um, John Fogarty's brother in CCR uh, die in 91, I believe. So there were people, and there, there were hundreds of um, pe uh, people who had same-sex marriages, a lot of gay people who did succumb to the AIDS virus. Um, it was a dark history in, during the 80s when it came to disease transfer and everything of knowing about what AIDS was. Um, in 1967, Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall sworn in, was sworn in um, to the U.S. Supreme Court. A little background on Thurgood Marshall. He was the first black justice to sit in the Supreme Court. He was, for a while, the uh, chief counsel for the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored Persons, or colored people, I cannot remember. I think it's persons. Um, and then he was very influential um, in the Brown v. Vort Brown v. Board case in 1954, he was one of the primary lawyers. 1835, first shots of the Texas Revolution. It was a republic in 1836. Um, and then 10 years after the first shots were fired, it became a state in 1845. 1941, Operation Typhoon is launched. Uh, this is when Hitler basically said, uh, hey, hey, um, Russia, yeah, we're not going to invade you. And then X amount of years later, here we are. Hitler's invading Russia. <laughs> like, does he not learn from Napoleon? Like, does... And then this is where the Russians become savage. They go, you know what? We've seen this before. This has happened before. It's not. We're not letting this happen again. So they implemented a policy called... Scorched Earth, which is essentially they take everything that they own and they just burn it. They, they scorch the earth. They get rid of all their belongings. The only thing they have is their life at that point. So the Nazis couldn't use anything once they invaded Russia. It's not the best policy, but it did the job at the time. Also, you have to think, 1941 is when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor as well. So this is, uh, 1941 is when the tide starts to really turn in the favor of the Allies. Mostly America and Great Britain, but uh, yeah, I digress. Um, 1944, we see 
the Warsaw Uprising end. Um, it's kind of a depressing way to end Wednesday, but um, it it happened. It started two months earlier than, um, but basically the end of it. Hitler and the Nazis deported the basically the whole population, and they just destroyed everything in Warsaw. So it's not a good scene. That's the end of Wednesday the 2nd. What's your takeaway, Maggie? Well, it was pretty short and sweet. I really like uh, that you included Thurgood Marshall. I think that he was an interesting person. And Brown versus Board of Education was a very, very pivotal case. Yeah. I mentioned maybe last week about the Little Rock Nine. And how their first classes started during that week. That would not have been possible without um, Thurgood Marshall and um, and basically Brown v. Board. Just that is a crucial, crucial time in America his, American history. Um, Thursday, October third. This one is what Maggie has been waiting for since I've told her about it. So in 1995, a year before I was born, and what, two years? No, three years before you were born? I was born in 97. Okay, two years. Apologies, I thought it was 98. So one year and then two years before both of us were even born, O.J. Simpson was acquitted. Um, A little background real quick before I hand it over to Maggie and her thoughts and her uh, views on this interesting topic. So a lot of people may remember the Bronco chase on the highway. He had a, I think it was a Ford Bronco. And it was white. <laughs> it was white. And you just see on the news this big chase. Police are trying to catch him. They're just basically, it was a mess. He was basically just sitting in his back seat crying. I'm pretty sure one of his friends was driving him and I'm pretty sure he was just in the back seat crying and like saying how he was going to just end his life and end it all because you know, he was very stressed out about his ex-wife dying, well, being murdered brutally, but and his kids you know, not having a mom anymore, and everybody thinks that he's the one who would have killed the love of his life, but... Fun fact. I didn't know this at all before I read this, but the very last paragraph where I read this, it said a lot of... I I don't want to misquote this, but I believe it said a lot of Caucasian believed well, a lot of white people believed he was guilty but at the time a lot of African Americans thought he was innocent that was due to the Rodney King situation in Los Angeles um, because OJ Simpson lived in Los Angeles so this and was a lot of people were looking yeah. at this as like a race thing um, solely because well not solely because but the prosecution had uh, the main prosecutor was white and then um, her assistant for the case was black but um, people thought that it was just a target because well Nicole Simpson Brown was married to a black man and that would 
be the sole suspect. But in any case, you typically go to the spouse of whoever was murdered, not just because of their race. And then we get to the infamous line of, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. What's your thoughts about that? My thoughts are, you know, there was definitely evidence besides just the glove that he was guilty. And based on the fact that you can't use double jeopardy, he's protecting himself. He published a book on what he would do if he were to have done the murder. Didn't he publish that after he was acquitted? Yeah, he published that after he was acquitted and he had already gone through the civil case of um, damages. Like, um, Didn't he rob somebody, like his best friend or something? Well, he went through the civil case immediately. Well, not immediately, but like after he was acquitted for, you know, the felony part, uh, the criminal part, he went to a civil case where he then had to pay money to the families of both people who were killed. It wasn't just Nicole Simpson Brown, in case people didn't know. There was also another person wasn't there? Yeah, too. Uh, living on her property. I forget his name, um, but it was a friend that was renting from her. And then he got arrested and thrown into prison because he had been stealing. And then he published a book, too, about what he would do if he were to have done the murders for Nicole Simpson. <laughs> so, he's he's protecting himself by, one, not saying, like, I did this during the murder. And he's protecting himself because he has double jeopardy now. He can't get acquitted again or yeah. tried again, whatever. Fifth Amendment right. Hoorah, you gotta love it. Um, but if you want to learn... Uh, do you have anything else to say on this matter? If you want to learn more about it without um, having to go online and like read articles, you should watch um, the OJ trial on Netflix. It shows a lot of different views of the people that were involved in the cases. John Travolta's um, in that. That's why John I Travolta that. plays Robert Shapiro, which is the main attorney for Robert, or not Robert. For O.J. Simpson, but Robert Kardashian is also in it, played by um, whoever plays Ross. Don't even remember. Oh, his David name. Schwimmer. Yep. Uh, he's in that too. Yep. Did not know that. And so then you get to see like how everyone was affected by the case, and it is kind of biased, but in like a way that it's not annoying like you get to see everybody's biases towards the case that was it, it overhypes it over inflates everything that was going on kind of like um the one with uh the not Dahmer but um what's who's Ted the, Bundy. yeah just like just like type the 10 butter 10 Ted Bundy documentary excuse me English yeah you just get to see everybody's point of view and how they were biased toward the case like there were biases because people were friends with OJ there were biases because people wanted to get OJ sent to prison and then there were biases because you know the public saw OJ as the very he was a Heisman winner pertinent person during that time yeah he was a famous football star too well college slash somewhat pro he was a Heisman winner that's you can't let you can't see one of your idols, your icons, go to prison. Like that's a no no. And another reason why Maggie Did you say he played basketball? Football. Oh, okay. I no, you said football. Basketball. No. Uh the the sports ball. 
the, the sports ball. One of those. Yeah. Um, and then you have the spinoff of Kardashians. That that whole situation, like keeping up with the Kardashians and all. I the, love that show. All the other spinoffs wasn't wasn't um uh, uh the mom's like ex husband as a lawyer. Yes, Chris Kardashian was married to Robert Kardashian, and they had four children together, which was um, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, and then Rob. Um, And then they got divorced before the trial ever happened, I'm pretty sure. But they obviously communicated because they were co-parenting. And Chris was also friends with Nicole Simpson. Uh, Maggie gets to flex her Kardashian knowledge for once to people who might, may or may not care. <laughs> I care. That's all that counts. So, but if you if you are a reader and you don't want to watch the Netflix series, there are books on reserve in the library. Just you know, see one at somebody at the desk and say, "Hey, I want to learn like, about." Like I suggest just watching it on Netflix because it's literally based off of the book. <laughs> But if you're a reader, read. If you're a Netflix watcher, binge out. So moving on, uh, another one that is interesting um, is 1967. Writer, singer, writer, singer, and folk singer um, Woody Guthrie dies. Now he was the godfather of the 1950s folk revival, and he had a large influence on Bob Dylan who is in a fantastic folk singer, fantastic uh, writer, and overall just good person. But um, I mention him because every year in the spring, Professor, uh, professor Lynch, history professor, puts on a, I don't want to say. Woody Fest. He put he puts on a what's the word I'm trying to look for not a play concert yeah he puts on a production that's the word I'm looking for production of something called Woody Fest where Jake Speed and his magnificent band come to the mount and he has been voted a spot on to Woody Guthrie um, I go every year it's fantastic I will be out of here by then I will be graduated Maggie and I both will be but I probably will come back just to see Jake Speed uh, perform Woody Guthrie's protest songs Uh, fun fact about Woody Guthrie as well he sang This Land Is Our Land and it was almost our national anthem or yeah it was almost our national anthem I believe he uh, succumbed to Huntington's chorea, which is a progressive breakdown of nerve cells in the brain, and it was genetic. He got it from his mother. In 1992, uh, Sinead O'Connor tears up a photo of Pope John Paul II on Saturday Night Live, which was a big, big no-no at the time. Why did that happen? Um, she is from... She is Irish, I believe, and... Just the overall abuse from the clergy that happened over centuries and centuries. And in Ireland, um, just basically corruption and a lot of horrible, horrible stuff that went on in the Catholic Church. It's getting reformed, but at the time she had enough of it and she used her voice to speak up. It was unplanned. No one 
no one knew she was doing it. She sang a song that wasn't hers, and then at the very end, she took out John po- uh, John Paul's picture and just ripped it. And everyone's like, what just happened? Hmm. What just happened? Um, 1990, two years before that, East and West Germany was reunited after 45 years. 2011, uh, Amanda Knox, everybody might remember that trial, her murder conviction was overturned in Italy because uh, everybody who looked at the Italian justice system, they were like, no, no, this is sketchy. You may not be our, our, our system, but like what you did, no. That shouldn't have been a conviction. Uh, they had evidence from like a week later that was contaminated, and it was just a giant, giant issue for that. But she was eventually did not... Did she actually commit a murder? Um, I don't really remember it. So it was her and like two other uh, women who were uh, international studying abroad in Italy. She comes back to her apartment where the other two girls were staying and one of them she finds murdered on the floor. She found dead. Then the, the other one wasn't there and Amanda just walks in and cops were called and they thought she did it. You know, like that classic wrong wrong time, wrong place situation. Mm-hmm. They collected evidence, but some evidence was a week late and they said it was contaminated with, you know, other body, other fingerprints and the DNA and just the whole scene was a mess. The whole thing was just horrible and... You have everybody comparing the Italian justice system to the American justice system, and everybody's like, they don't have the same justice system. You might be familiar with United States' justice system, but it's not how we do it in Italy. Which, in reality, is true, but they didn't really do it properly as well. Hmm. So, Americans saw her as this sweet, innocent college student who was just trying to study abroad, and then... Italians and anybody else who thought something differently thought she was a, a, a wild American party girl. So you just have that bias as well, thinking about going into the trial. Um, 1932, Iraq wins their independence after 17 years of British rule and centuries of the Ottoman Empire and Turkey rule. Um, later on, I will get more into, you know, what happens during Iraq war and all that good stuff. But I don't think any of that happens this week. Um, so, in 1863, this one's fascinating. You, this one, I... This one's making me hungry. <laughs> 1863, President Abraham Lincoln proclaims Thanksgiving an official holiday. He did it to express the gratitude for a pivotal North victory at Gettysburg, which I don't know why they made it uh, the first or the fourth Thursday in November because Gettysburg was in July. This was October and Thanksgiving's in November. Like, what? Um, The speech that makes it in... November was a speech written by the, the, at the time, Secretary of State William Seward, who everybody might know from Seward's folly of purchasing Alaska while he was drunk at a poker game. 
No, I would do that. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, uh. I would purchase <laughs> an entire Taco Bell franchise. He got it cheap. It was like, it wasn't that much money. It's like the Russian prime minister was like, here, have Alaska if you win this hand. He's like, man, I got this. Maybe he purchased Alaska because there was some really good places to go get some tacos while he was drunk. I wouldn't doubt it, you know. <laughs> I would not. That's where I'd go to it get a good taco. <laughs> Do you think Alaska has a Taco Bell to go a little bit off topic? I I don't know. I would say yes. Taco Bell's everywhere. Taco Bell's in Germany. I want to go try that now. German tacos? That would be really neat. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not doubt there's a Taco On Bell. On another right? path of food, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? <laughs> um, I would have to say stuffing and cranberry sauce. For the longest time, I hated cranberry sauce until I tried it out of necessity. And I loved it. I won't eat cranberry sauce, but I do like stuffing. My favorite is probably macaroni and cheese. Uh, I, so, do you consider that a Thanksgiving food? A lot of people, we have it at ours, a lot so of people, I consider yeah, it that. A lot of people consider it not a Thanksgiving food. I take I also, mac and cheese whenever it's available. I also like green bean casserole. I but like that the way too, my if mom it's made makes right. it. If it's yeah. made right, and. We always get um, a honey-baked turkey from the honey-baked ham place. So that is probably like... I'm starving. It's the macaroni (laughs) and then the turkey and then the green bean casserole. Oh, that's fantastic. And then a bottle of wine. I would agree on the bottle of wine. I mean, I don't really drink wine that much, and I don't drink around my family. So, I mean, (laughs) yes and no. But you always have to have some sort of. You have to have something nice to cheers the turkey being dead on your table. Have you ever seen a turkey? Those things are ugly. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know where I watched it, but like the whole thing. All it's poultry old. is ugly. Birds are fantastic creatures. No. I love birds. They're terrifying. Turkeys. Did you know the turkey was almost our national bird? I did, and I think that that's wild. Do we even Just like have turkey. a national bird? The eagle. I forgot about that. Bald eagle. That aren't even bald and not even native to America. Definitely forgot about that. That's that's how most of American history is, not native to America. No, it's not. Ben Franklin, who was, you know, uh, a politician, helped a lot with the founding fathers, was almost a president, but not a president, and everybody thinks he's a president. He's on the $100 bill. He's like the only president. Why do we need a national bird? Everybody has a national bird. I don't know why. It's weird. It just happened. Again, you know, we just talked about a guy getting drunk purchasing a whole state. (laughs) For cheap. Only in America. Cobra. America. Oh, and then FDR... Being the smart, smart guy he is, he tried to move it up to the third Thursday in November for economic purposes to shop and to give everybody time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That did not work. That's why we have Black Friday. Exactly. I mean, everybody was like, you know what? Forget this, man. I think Black Friday should stay on Friday, not 
after you eat your Thanksgiving meal and you go out to the store. That's what he tried to do. He tried to give people time between Christmas and Thanksgiving to try and vamp up the the holiday cheer. I think it should just go back to being on Friday and not It is. It got, it got shot down by Congress. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about now. I know. They were like, pew, pew. And here we are. Black Friday. Because, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Very wild. Um, moving on to 1917. The War Revenue Act was passed in the United States. Um no, it wasn't until the 16th Amendment in 1914, I believe, that income tax cannot be collected. Like, think about that. We started in 1789, basically, with our whole Constitution and all that good junk. It wasn't until, like, 100 years later or something like that that we could not collect tax or anything. Um, and then the last one, uh, 1942, Germany conducts their first successful V2 rocket test. That's wrapping up Thursday. What do you think about that week, Maggie? Or that day, Maggie? It definitely made me hungry. I'm starving. When's dinner again? <laughs> I need it. <laughs> right now. Um, three days left, everybody. Friday, October 4th, 1957, Sputnik is launched. I barely almost could not say that word five seconds ago. 1970, Janis Joplin dies of a heroin overdose, which I feel like a lot of rock stars did in 1970. And not to go off on a tangent, but, you know, just, you know, the whole opioid uh, epidemic in the United States today. It's, uh, Especially in our tri-state area. Shout out. But I have seen Janis Joplin's house in uh, really? Hey Ashbury in San Francisco. I want to see that. That's real. I did not know you could do that. I didn't physically go in. I don't oh no, you don't need to. You know, I don't know if you can tour it, but it was outside. Just, like I saw the outside of it, and there were a couple other people that lived in that area that I saw their house. If I I would uh, be like oh, not worthy, not worthy, you know. Um. <laughs> 1990, Beverly Hills 902.10 debuts. That's a popular show. It's even around still today. It just reemerged. Just came back on TV not too long ago, believe it or not. It's, it was big. Still is. Um, it came back? Yeah. It literally came back. I, it's either that or a different show, but I believe it was that. Crazy. I know the Hills came back. Maybe that. Maybe I that think that's that. what you're thinking. Are you the hills that Lauren Conrad used to be on? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But this was big at its time. That's 20 years ago still, nonetheless. Um, 1927. Work begins on Mount Rushmore. Um, everybody knows about Mount Rushmore. And then wrapping up Friday, 1944, General Eisenhower warns the risk of shell shocked. Get, get this. They judge the average soldier could last about 200 days in combat before suffering a serious psychological damage. Mm. How do you judge that? Yeah. How, and that, later they found how, out... How do you judge that? What if there was already something like psychologically, psychologically wrong? wrong. Mm-hmm. Like depression or anxiety before they went in. Well, that's that's the whole thing about shell shock. They didn't know... We now call it PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder... And, um, and as you can so get PTSD from literally anything. one event in your life. Yeah, from almost anything. You know, as a, as a social worker and as a 
potentially future caseworker. As somebody who had PTSD, <laughs> I was diagnosed with it after a car crash. I so was, there you go. Like, how, like all it took was literally one, one of it. One car crash. Yeah. And, like, come on, this is 1944. Like, you have soldiers in World War One and World War Two witnessing atrocities. Well, even the Vietnam War. That one was even crazier. Yeah, but that was that was later. Yeah. I, I meant like right now in 1944. Like like how do you like no, just no. That's Whew, all right. That wraps up Friday. What do you think about Friday? Short, sweet. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Nothing agree. crazy happened except for Janet Shopless dying of Joplin dying of heroin. Like well, true. Yeah. Saturday, October 5th. This one is pretty neat. Uh, 2011, Apple founder Steve, uh, Steve Jobs dies at 56. The innovator of Apple, him and Steven Wozniak, but nobody cares about Wozniak. Um, just a short list of going down his life and so many bullet points. 76, the Apple computer was founded in his garage. 77, he launched Apple II and it became the first popular personal computer. That was a tongue twister. 1980, he went public, started selling shares. Four years later in 1984, the Macintosh computer debuted, which was the first personal computer to feature a graphical user interface, which allowed people to navigate by pointing and clicking a mouse. That was revolutionary. 1985, he left his own company, basically started a whole new company. Well, he was kicked out, but he left his company. And in a year later, 1986, founded Pixar. Pixar. That's my favorite. That's that's huge. Pixar. That's my favorite thing he's done. <laughs> you say that until 19 or until 2001, he creates the iPod. And then 2007, the iPhone, 2010, the iPad. Anything with I, that was Well, Steve did Jobs. he create that since he left Apple? He, oh, he left Apple, founded his own company, and then Apple bought up that company, and he became back into Apple, and he became the top guy again. Hmm. This guy, like, how do you leave and then get sucked in? I do love my company? iPhone. When, when did you first get your iPhone? When did you get your first iPhone or I got iProduct? my first iPhone when I was a junior in high school. And I got an iPod at some point. It wasn't one of the really big chunky ones. I think it was like an iPod. It was like a slim one. I don't know. Like an iPod Touch or an iPod Slim or something. Something like that. Um, it was big because probably well, it was when the Jonas Brothers were Shout putting out music out. So probably like two thousand six, two thousand seven, when it first was launched and it got big. Like yeah. I was watching a documentary about the two thousands and when the iPhone came out, it was a iPod and a phone. Moving on to 2017, um, New York Times, um, New York Times publishes bombshell investigation into the allegations against Harvey Weinstein, or as I like to call him, Harvey Weinstein, which 
essentially sparks the whole Me Too movement and the whole um, women inappropriate, yeah, the inappropriate of sexual, yeah, mm mm-hmm, yep, um, pretty much. So that was a whole issue. The Me Too movement Mm -hmm. is very, very interesting, and I love being able to learn about that um, because it just helps women have, like, motivation and confidence and power that they feel like they can go finally report people that have done wrong to them, and they can finally feel like they can get their bodies back and not have that trauma attached to them. I mean, in reality, going back to Wyoming becoming the first state to let women vote, this, excuse me, this ignites the whole letting women speak up with minimal fear because it's a time where we can, we take women more serious than before. I definitely think as a woman, once the Me Too movement launched, I saw more women feeling confident and speaking about many different things in their life, not just sexual harassment and assault. I've seen women feel more comfortable talking about, um, like, mental illness or, you know, miscarriages or different things that have to do with the human body that is inevitable. And I feel like before that, it was, like, taboo or hush-hush, even though it was in, like, this happened in 2017, late 2017. So before that, we were still saying that we were so progressive in America. Right, really. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that we were as progressive as we thought because women are now being able to be more vocal in just the last two years. I agree. And taken more serious. Agreed. Um, anything else to say on that? Women, you have every right to speak up and be as confident as you want in anything that you say or do in your life and don't let anyone anyone tell you different because you are an amazing person no matter what inside and out i could not have said that any better um 1989 dalai lama wins nobel peace prize you can't really you can't you you can't go yeah you Women's empowerment to Dalai Lama. You can't Lama. get any. You can't get any bigger. Like, how do you go forward with that? Like, the last two was literally 1989. Dalai Lama wins Nobel Peace Prize, and then 1947, Harry Truman delivers the first ever presidential speech on TV. It it, it just kind of fades out the last two points <laughs> of this paper of of uh of Friday or Saturday. You can just. That's how empowering women are. (laughs) That wraps up Saturday, October 5th. Um, Other than the Me Too movement, what what are your thoughts? It's just crazy to think about when an iPhone was first put out. Really? That's what I was thinking. Compared to, like, where iPhones are now. Ten years, like... Because we just had a new launch for an iPhone. iPhone 11? Mm -hmm. Three cameras. I want it. I'm not a big fan of it. Imagine the selfies you can take and the great, amazing pictures (laughs) with your friends. Phenomenal. It sure beats the whole uh, uh, Samsung Note 10 not having a uh, headphone jack. Like, didn't we learn that, people? Like, literally. 
That's you need a dongler wild. for your doongler and your dongler dongler. Like, literally. On that note, <laughs> Sunday, October 6th. <laughs> 1866. Uh, the Reno brothers carry out the first train robbery in the U.S., and they steal $13,000. My favorite brothers are the Jonas Brothers. Hashtag Joe Bros. Hashtag Joe Bro for life. And then the last one, there's only two on Sunday, October 6th, but the last one is 1683. The first Mennonites arrive in America. They are a Protestant sect, and they started in the 16th century under Minnow Simmons. That wraps up the this week in history, but a couple smaller things that I want to go over um, music-wise are um, basically Rolling Stones released uh, their compilation album of 40 Licks in 2002. You know, when you see that big tongue icon, uh, you know, the big tongue icon. Yeah, it looks like it's going to lick everything. That was 2002, and that's that's huge. Like, you can't get bigger than that. So, um, it has a lot of songs people may know, such as Gimme Shelter, Can't Get No Satisfaction, Can't Always Get What You Want, and Sympathy for the Devil. Uh, my One of my favorite bands, Pink Floyd's LP, Wish You Were Here, hits number one on October 4th, 1975. Another one bites the dust by Queen goes number one in the U.S. October fourth. You skipped 4th. over the amazing Rod Stewart's Maggie May hits number one on October second, nineteen seventy one. And if I could tell you the amount of times that I have had people come up to me and either play Maggie May or mention Maggie May, I would be rich if I could get money for it. And people don't realize that he's actually just talking bad about some girl that broke his heart. So, like, come on, people, don't involve me in that. I love the line. <laughs> oh, what what's the line? It's, and in the morning, you kicks me in the head. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. Hey, See, <laughs> not all people named Maggie are terrible. We have our days. I'm looking at a pretty fabulous one right across mm-hmm. from me right now. Um, a few finishing touches, as I have said. Um, John Lennon gets his um, star on the Hollywood, Hawk of, Hollywood Walk of Fame, 1988, eight years after he was shot and murdered. On my aunt's birthday, nonetheless. Um, and then the Beatles signed their first management contract with Brian Epstein, who is often called the fifth Beatle. And then five days later, October 5th, um, their, their record company plays their first single called Love Me Do. And that's when most people say the day the world changed because Beatles can't get bigger than the Beatles. Um, the last two, Pink Floyd come to New York for their first U.S. tour um, on October 1st, 1967. And then to leave everybody with this one, uh, the Grateful Dead, everybody in that whole group gets arrested for marijuana possession in San Francisco, one of the most liberal places in America, 
where they definitely experimented with a lot of drugs during that time. All the drugs you can think of and name off the top of your head right now, they did them in San Francisco well before you were Take even conceived. Me back to San Francisco. Um, and that was October 1967. Um, okay, that wraps up this podcast for the week. If you have any other suggestions or just, you know, sound off. I suggest off. that you do a conspiracy theory podcast. I was mainly talking to our audience, but... <laughs> well, I'm an audience yeah. member. That is true. Um, please, 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 please hit us up on uh, Twitter, Mountcast. Hit my Twitter up. Uh, please sound off on anything you like, that you hate it, what we can improve on. Just give us your thoughts. Give us your opinions on this week's uh, history lesson, more or less. This does it for this week. I'm Jonathan Feard for Behind the Mic. Say goodbye, Maggie. Thank you for having me, Jonathan Beard. You're very welcome. Um, so, yeah, that's it for Behind the Mic. Have a great rest of your day.